There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Oh, fizz me in amber until the changing of the light. Pour me an orange drink to hold me fast as the world sways toward the night. Give me one more golden break in the cloud and throw open the doors of the moon underwater. Robin, welcome. Welcome, Robin. The, the hampers have arrived here at the Moon Underwater this evening. Oh, we've been hampered. No, we've been hampered. We, we order hampers uh, every year from the... Uh, um, from the... Ha- <laughs> from the Hampermeister uh, here in the correct realm. The Hampermen and the Hampermeister and the ha- Hampermeistress. Uh, and they've put together a wonderful selection this year of butters. It's mainly different types of butter... Which is a bit of a disappointment, really, because you do want uh, you do want a bit of variety in a hamper. Yeah, no bread. No, just yeah, sort of eight or nine different brands of butter. I'm actually going to have a word with them because uh, that's that's no good. We're not going to get through that. I was expecting chutneys, preserves, you know, chocolates, that sort of thing, crackers, cheese, your usuals, um, but no, just about four or five kilos of butter there. Um, so. Which is a shame, because I wanted to impress our guest this week. Um, welcome, everyone, to the Moon Underwater. I, John Robbins, am your landlord. And opposite me, the lovely Robin Allender, the lovely regular, the lovely the Robin Allender, uh, who helps steward our guest uh, through some of their thoughts and feelings and also provides a quiz, because we are in the business of creating dream pubs. And, Rob, can you move that butter out the back? I don't want to see it again. Yep, sure. Yeah, yeah, the butter's been moved. They're salted, unsalted. And that's it. And that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's all, all been moved, thanks. Great, because I think the sound of winged hooves approaches the cobbled streets uh, from on high. Winged. The, the hooves have... It's a very strange flying horse uh, sort of uh, situation because the, the horse itself doesn't have wings. 
uh, but its hooves do. Uh, so they sort of operate like four drones. So that that is good for the horse because it can go straight up and stay there. Yeah, it can hover. Yeah, um, hovering horse. Good name for a pub. Good, a very good name for a pub. Well, <laughs> let's see what pub we're getting named this week. <laughs> As into the moon underwater comes Chess Slattery. Hello, Chess. Hi, fellas. How are you doing? Very good. Please melt. melt please melt. Please make yourself at home. How are you? How are you faring up? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very pleased to be to be here and talk about pubs, my favourite subject. You are a beer sommelier. I am. You're also, if I'm pronouncing it right, a Cicerone. It is. the Well, if you ask Italians, it's Cicerone, but um, ah. it ain't Italians, it's American. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pronounced Cicerone, but it does mean expert, expertise. So that's its origin, is the Italian. I've been informed by my Italian friends. And I have an Italian name, Francesca, so they think I'm Italian too until they meet me and then they're like, nah, you're very English. Um, but, yeah, it, it means expert so that's where it comes from could you start before we get into the business of kitting out your pub could you tell us about your journey into beer because you had quite a sort of shift in your career didn't you i did yeah i well beer has always been in my life pretty much um i've always been a beer drinker but in terms of yeah it being my profession because i i've worked in the brewing industry for seven plus years now for different breweries Um, The short version is that because it was a hobby that I've always loved and because part of my role, which was 12 years of youth work and education in various guises, um, that I spent a lot of my time supporting young people and telling them to pursue their dreams and, you know, grab the stars and all that kind of stuff. And I realised that um, what did I want to do? Um, And because the grand old age of 30 was hurtling towards me at the time and I thought this is a third life crisis um i should possibly try and work out what i want to do and i realized that i just liked drinking beer talking about beer and could beer be a thing um and i realized very quickly that making the stuff ain't for me it's um far too much like hard work um so how did you find that out and i love the idea of describing beer as my hobby i think that makes it sound so much more acceptable yeah, uh, I play a lot of golf and uh, my other hobby is beer. I mean, it is, and it remains one of my major hobbies, despite it now also being my job. So that tells you a lot about me. So, But how do you just start from complete... Were you starting from complete scratch? Like, all you knew is I like beer and I like pubs and different types of beer. I'd say not entirely from scratch. There was a couple of things that led up to me sort of realising that beer could be a career, uh, as it were. So I got quite heavily involved in camera, when I was at university uh, in Liverpool. And when I graduated, yeah, when I graduated, I stayed living in Liverpool because, I mean, I love the city anyway. I've, I've got actually long connections with Liverpool and uh, I had a job in Wigan at that point for a small charity working with young people. And a lot of our friends had moved from Liverpool to go back to their homes. Um, so actually, it was a really great way to meet people. Um, so yeah, I was very young um, to be on the committee, actually, at Liverpool Camera. Um, I was definitely the youngest person by, I think, maybe 15, 20 years. And I really learned a lot from being on the committee and doing things like events and activities and trying to jazz it up and modernise it a little bit with some of my suggestions about making things a bit more fun, was that actually I started to meet publicans, not just because they were giving me beer and I was giving them money in return. I started to learn a bit more about the publican side of things and then obviously met more people from the brewing side of things. So that was like, I'd say then etched up my knowledge a bit more than just, 
I rock up to a pub, drink a beer and talk to other people about it. And then when I moved to London via various other places, I was really, my eyes were just completely open to what beer could be because obviously there was, it was still massively in a wave of a big beer renaissance going on in London. The fact they had things like tap rooms and all this kind of stuff was really exciting. And then I, I got into knowing a bit more about beer via um, a group actually called the Crafty Beer Girls, which um, a couple of my friends started years ago about having a, a group that was open for women that would be open, accessible, and was just about, you don't have to work in beer, but if you like beer, or even if you're a novice and you want to learn about it, let's pick a pub or pubs, let's meet up once a month, and we can talk about beer, you can ask questions. And I was recommended that group because there was a lot of women who attended that social group who themselves worked in the industry. And so I was meeting people who either their partners or they worked in the industry. And I was like, I'm going to ask you all the questions. So for them, it wasn't probably a night off because they were getting grilled by chess about what do you do? How do you get into beer? What's this about? But the fact that we did it in a pub, you know, in the perfect uh, you know place where you chat anyway. And there was loads of stuff we chatted about other than beer. But that opened a big door for me in terms of not only making connections, but realizing there are lots of things you could do in this sector to get in. I wonder what was we because we interviewed Abigail Newton, who's the uh, vice chair of camera, and just talking to her about sort of what camera was like when she started to get involved in it. And I wondered what was your experience of camera at university versus the Crafty Beer Girls? Sort of what what space was was that social group creating that perhaps I don't know. Don't want to put words in your mouth. That was that not really a space that camera had when you were first uh, involved with them. Yeah, so I, it was just after I graduated. So I didn't get involved at university, but when I joined, and then and then they they rec- someone recommended that I go forward onto the committee, and I said yes, I'd be happy to. I actually found them to be extremely welcoming. I ex- I also uh, found them to be extremely extremely enthusiastic about young people joining. Um, so I think in particular there was a lot of please tell us what you think. Because, you know, we're already very reliant on a small group of volunteers who do a lot of the heavy lifting. And, you know, some of these people have been doing it for years and we couldn't do it without them. And that's you still want to continue doing that. But we could do with a fresh pair of eyes to let us know what what are your ideas about. And it was they specifically said about diversifying the people who get involved. So I was the young person's officer. That was my role. Um, And I think camera count young people up to 35 I think oh um, I like that yeah <laughs> oh, no, but that means yeah. I'm not I'm no longer a young person well you're a teenager yeah I'm a teenager, teenager. I'm a teenager. Yeah. yeah so I think I think that's what it was but it was it was certainly wasn't like 18 I mean obviously I suppose that makes sense you have to start at 18 yeah. right so yeah yeah, yeah I've just just tweaked um it'd be quite funny to have a sort of a, a youth discount for joining camera if you're sort of 11 to 17 yeah <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So, chess slattery, sommelier, chicharone, and crafty beer girl, what are your first two draft choices? Okay, so this was immensely difficult, um, but I went with the approach that I go to the pub for a different experience to what I have at home. And even though I could have had beers that are I love more, are more my favourites, um, I figured what is it that is completely unique about the pub that I've always banged on about is the perfect thing about the pub and it is Cascale and you can try and emulate it at home with bottle conditioned beers or even getting those mini casks sometimes it is not the same and I don't as yet have a pub in the garden set up where I could have the hand pull and you know what I don't think I'd want to because that's what's magic about the pub to me so then I was very much like right so it needs to be a cask cask beer for me so my first one was really easy to pick, and it's what I'm drinking now, which is um, Oakham Brewery's Citra. Oh, oh yeah, I like it. The lovely kind of green man on the on the label. Often yeah. served in our old friend the Dagda Robin. Yes. Yeah, Indeed. it's. Um, I really like bitter beers, but they, you know, balance is everything, and this is something that just always comes up when you talk about beer when you talk with breweries and, and so on fellow fellow brewers it is balance and I, for some people i can see how this possibly could edge into just that a little bit too bitter but for me and my palate it is bang on like i i really enjoy how light and refreshing it is um it's something that's been a constant in my life because obviously oakham's are one of the older longer standing um brewers and so i can just always remember oakham beers being on in pubs in norfolk um, so JHB and Inferno, which was very, very close second. I really, really love that beer as well because I love a blonde. Very underrated style. Can we please bring back blondes? That would be awesome. Um, but I just find it's 4.6%, which is pretty much bang on my kind of cask drinking desires between the four and the five. I thought of going for a lower percentage beer, but I, again, I was thinking when I'm in the pub, I want to be able to just have the pint and enjoy it and have the mouthfeel and the richness and the experience. So, you know, it was I know it was pretty groundbreaking at the time as being one of the first, if not the first, they say they're the first, but um, one of the first to sort of brew with this citra hop that was still very new to British brewing. Very American, isn't it, citra hop? It is. It? Yeah. it is. That's exactly what it is. It is American. And I think it was that whole thing of, I mean, they say in 2009 that they discovered this over in the States, desperately wanted to bring it back and brew with it. But the fact that they brewed with it as a single hop 
as well as pretty pretty bold pretty ballsy um so the 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 citra on cask is 4.2% and the bottle is 4.6 oh even better could Perfect. you just explain why there is that difference sometimes between the strength of draft beer in a pub and the bottle that you might buy in the supermarket. Yeah, I know you've posed this question before, and I therefore should have prepared for it better. Oh, don't um, worry. <laughs> well, I think no, but I think I think part of it might be because obviously, but bottled beer needs a longer, a longer shelf life, literally, uh, in that it needs to be available for longer. I mean, it's quite often why you'll find that bottled beers get pasteurized, which means that their their shelf life, their their their, their life cycle is is longer, and more alcohol is a preservative as well i mean it seems a subtle difference 0.4% of a you know of a of a percentage but um i believe that might be part of it i also think there's a thing around and this is my experience as someone who has worked behind a bar who now sells beer to bars as well as being a drinker is that people want more sessionable beers when they're drinking it in pint form in the pub and so it's a real subtle subtle thing but if something is over 4.5% potentially it could it could impact your sales i think that's good to that's good to know because there was such a trend in the 90s for stronger lagers and all the lager companies brought out their export lager which then became their standard lager and that's how we ended up with sort of lager that was you know a percent more than it would have been even 10 15 years ago but they're now reining it back again i think so i think that's a combination of all sorts of things i think for a start things go in trends just full stop you know advertising marketing comes always comes in trends i think there was an equation with um, more alcohol equals more premium um and i think for export it's probably a, it's probably a combination of export seemed to be a premium thing because oh this is this good that we brew it in this country somewhere like germany wherever and we have to ex- and we export it because it's that desirable and again it would probably be higher percentage because it's being exported just like guinness export is a really good example of that where it's notably stronger percentage so it can be exported and, and not suffer along the way so i think that's probably part of it but but so things go in trends but also you know people are more mindful with their drinking people are just more aware and educated about it and even if it's as simple as just their hydration levels i think people are just a bit more you know savvy i definitely know that this wasn't something that we particularly bothered about when i was drinking to start with um so i think that's probably part of it if i'd gone to a supermarket looking for a 2.8 percent beer 20 years ago i'd have it would have been skull or, or, and that's it you'd have been laughed out of town. i'd have laughed out of safeways yeah, <laughs> ah, the Safeway checkout person would have looked at you with horror. My, I was thinking, you, you said about Citra there, it, it, sort of the tasting notes and saying it was refreshing. Because that's one thing, I'm getting more, I mean, you know, I, I do drink lager, but I'm getting more, much more into cask beers from being in the moon underwater. But re- refreshing is something I, I don't often associate with ca- cask beer. Mm. Like, I mean, lager for me or cider has that very, like, thirst-quenching quality. But I, I, I go for an ale when it's more kind of, you want to sort of, you know, savour it and kind of enjoy the, maybe the complexity of the flavour. But if, if it's a really hot day, that's probably not where I'm going. Do you, do you see what I mean? I do, and I hear people <laughs> talk about that all the time. And it, for me, it's not that at all. Like, it's it's the opposite. I think possibly, so the one thing I've identified very clear about myself anyway is that I never liked, quote-unquote, fizzy drinks. So growing up, I never drank pop. 
I didn't like any Coke, lemonade, nothing. So that was not refreshing to me. I found it painful. <laughs> I was like, oh, needles in my tongue. Gross. Um, so I, I was very late to drinking now normal levels of carbonation and spritz. And actually, I really enjoy spritz in terms of like, you know, carbonated beers and so on. So for me, it was an absolute just that's why I got into Cascale from year dot. Not only from a county where Cascale is big and it's well kept and well dispensed, but also it was like, well, it's either this or Guinness, which was my first ever taste of a, of a beer uh, in a pub. Um, and and it's basically, it's almost like, for me, it doesn't compute that it wouldn't be refreshing because I didn't have anything to compare it with. In fact, as I said, I, I found fizz, quote unquote, to be non-refreshing and painful. However, I think there are still lots of people around who feel that cask beer can't be refreshing. And I think it's what you said is right about, it's definitely a positive that if you're trying to get unlock the complexity in a certain beer and its style, then cask can be the way to go to unlock that, like in a really delicious porter or something, for example. But I, I find it just immensely refreshing. I just, I just find, I find cask beer when it's well conditioned and well dispensed and well looked after, it's infinitely, infinitely sinkable when you get the balance. And I think that's the big thing. So well, I think like the reason lager is, you know, doesn't have such a impactful flavour profile is there's no point if you're serving something that cold in having quite a lot of different stuff going on because you'd lose them through the temperature. And that's why cascale has to be served at a higher temperature and kept at higher temperatures so that it doesn't destroy all of those sort of different flavors well that's that's a that's an aftermath of just the fact that we didn't used to have chilling systems and we only had cellars um but you know people were brewing lagers for centuries in germany and didn't have cooling systems they just had to rely on uh, the caves or the cellar temperatures when it came to dispense i think the the cold 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 lager anyway became a bit of a, 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 a an advertising selling gimmick it definitely came over from the states and then once you get used to that and it's it's obviously you know it's it's no different if it's soft drinks if it's cold it feels refreshing it cools you down you can even rest the the ice glass across your <laughs> face and you oh, know god stop, oh. stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting a bit x-rated here in the moon on water um <laughs> but my, my my big advice robin is keep drinking casks beer you're not trying hard you're not trying hard enough you're not trying yeah hard that's enough. that's advice that i mean i, I think i can definitely stick good, to that good Come, come, come up to Manchester and I'll show you the best cask beer spot. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot easier than couch to 5k. Couch to five pints. I can do that. So Oakham Citra is your first draft choice. And what's your second? So this was really difficult. Um, I had loads of different options. Um, but for me, it had to be a bitter. Because again, there's like that that doesn't translate at home i've tried so many different bottled bitters and it, it just doesn't wash so then i was going back and forth back and forth with variations of pale ales and bitters but i realized it couldn't be too similar to oakum citra so i had to kibosh a couple of my options and i landed on and it's basically because i drank it recently and it was the quickest pint i've had in a long time and it is actually my old employers it is five points best Ooh. And Five Points Best actually was a very new innovation just as I was um, finishing my time at Five Points. It was when I was living in Ireland and was the export manager. And I, I knew of the fact that we were developing this best recipe. And at that time, it was being experimented with different English hops. Um, but I know that, that Greg, the head brewer, landed on Fuggles just being the best. 
Fuggles. I mean, fuggles. It's just, <laughs> it's a gorgeous sounding thing. Some people think, oh God, fuggles. It's so British and ridiculous sounding. And I'm like, fuggles, it's the best. So, sorry, shouting down, shouting now in the, in the, in the moon <laughs> on the water. I'm getting excited. But basically, it needs to be five points best served in the Pembury Tavern. Um, which is the pub that is the Five Points pub, and it's served by them. I know it's served on a sparkler. Yes. Controversially. Um, nice. No. I mean, we're, we're big sparklers apologists. Here. No, yeah. but, you know, to, I mean, we haven't got time to even go into that debate, but um, <laughs> it's obviously in its best condition. It's being served exactly how it should be, a, ma- a matter of minutes away from the from the source and it's just a bloody lovely beer and it, and what i like about it and this is the thing that i think a lot of people get confused about with bitters is that it isn't just bitter i think some people are like bitters need to be bitter like yes but they also need to have sweetness they have that amazing british malt base um there's possibly speciality malts in there which means there should be a little bit of that caramelization and that sweetness which I don't like a lot of bitters or red ales because they are too sweet, which is why I love um, a good balanced bitter because you should have that sweet multi back base uh, backbone rather that kind of base uh, that's maybe a little bit like kind of digestive biscuits and crackers, and then to throw in that lovely woody, earthy, slightly spicy fuggles hop. Um, it's just divine, and it was you know when I when I looked at the glass and it was sort of the lacing going down the glass i could see each gulp that i'd had i was uh, i was i was with i was actually with 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 a friend talking about business in fact because that's the joy sometimes you get to benefit from having a a meeting in a pub when you uh, when you need to talk business and we were only going to have the one and i said how are you enjoying the best and it's so much i need another one and uh, i think that's that's the good sign and that's for me when you want another one of what you're drinking then you know, and I know that sounds daft, but some of the <laughs> some of the best beers ever—they're beautiful. But you only want like a half a glass of them, or a third, or you're like, I couldn't have another one. Or this is what I end the night on. Not not for me on my draft in my pub. I want pintable beers that I can sit there, so I can have a citrusy, bright, bitter, refreshing uh, citra. Or then, if I want to, maybe especially potentially towards the winter months, I want to sit there and I'm going to have a slightly more refined gorgeous five points best bosh happy days happy chess let's go to the what a choice and what a selection we're shaping up here in your pub because oakum citra and five points best i think they really complement each other especially with five points best served through God's Tube, a.k.a. the Sparkler. (laughs) So we move on to your bottles and cans. Now, obviously, these don't have to be beers, but they may well be because you you know about bottling and canning beer. This was really hard. I've got to be brutally honest with you. I don't want anything else in my pub apart from beer. Fine. Nice, nice. But you're still going to make me choose things that aren't beer. So then I was like, well, Chess, open your mind. Remember what it's like to drink things other than beer. And... I I do really love and enjoy wine, but I don't really know a lot about it. And to be honest, it, some of my beer compadres have incredible knowledge about wine and, and other spirits. They see it hand in hand. And I should do, really. But I feel like I've just got so much focus on beer that, in a way, I love being a wine novice um, and just like 
having friends who know a bit about it recommend it to me. So the wine that I've gone for, because I do enjoy, as I say, a glass of wine, uh, uh, is now, I've got to actually, this is how much, I, I need to look up what it's called. Uh, dearie me. Right, I was bought this from my... Jammy Red Room. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I actually had a red wine recently that was so incredible, it nearly made it into, into my pub. It nearly made it, made it into the moon on the water, but I never drink red wine in the pub, ever. But I do drink white wine if, if the mood takes me. So this was gifted to me by my best friend, and she actually discovered it at the source on her honeymoon in New Zealand. So we're going to New Zealand, we're going to Marlborough, but we are having a re- we are having a Riesling. Oh, Chess, you've said the magic word. <laughs> I I thought so, um, and you know I thought is it is it going to be too too much creepy just to go for a riesling but genuinely this has been a new discover discovery for me because i'm sure like most people in britain we thought of rieslings as being these super sweet sticky german old-fashioned things and i really don't like sweet wines at all i'm very much a dry white wine person um but this is um from framingham which is also very difficult to pronounce when you've had a couple of the glasses um, <laughs> it's just their classic riesling um so I don't know if you can see that. I don't know if you know of Framingham. Oh, I've, I've had that Riesling. Very nice F. There. Yeah. Uh, kind of gothic F, yeah. A beautiful, yeah. beautiful set letter F. Yeah, well, F for Francesca. So there you go. So, But I just, she she bought it for me, and I did that thing when I was drinking it that I went, mmm, after every sip, which to the point of being annoying. Um, but it, for me, the, the thing that I've discovered about Riesling's and there's some really great affordable ones out there as well. I really recommend uh, the one from Aldi nearly made it on my list, I have to say. But then I realized I can just drink that from Aldi at home. So so we'll go with this one because it is a bit more special. But um, I think it's been talked about plenty on this podcast before. But I think the, the description that really sums up why it appeals to a lot of palates is it's got that creamy, slight sweetness, but it has got the acidity. Uh, and therefore makes it refreshing. So when I maybe beard out and I'm looking for something that maybe can cut through the palate a little bit, especially if there's a little bit of sunshine beaming down on, on the beer garden that I may or may not be able to have, then it would be just nice, especially with my best pal Katie, to be able to sit and say, should we share a bottle of that for Framingham? Um, so that is my first bottle. It's a great choice. I really think this is the Riesling century <laughs> because it's got so much to offer. And you think this century will be defined by reason? Yes, I think historians will look back at uh, this century, the first century of the new millennium, and say that was Riesling's moment. Yeah, it's Riesling's just got so much variation, so much interest to it, and also, like you said, it were you a sommelier of wine, you would be saying, "I love a Riesling because it's just different to all the other wines I taste all day," and they. They do tend to say that, the wine sommeliers, that it just, it, it's like a palate cleanser from wine. I thought you were going to cry then. <laughs> you do, yeah, you do look emotional, which is lovely. I'm, I'm glad, you, then you'll enjoy coming to my pub. Oh, 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 so far this is shaping up to be a very John pub. So what's your second bottle or can? 
So this oh, so difficult. I, I've gone for a beer um, because I'm I've got to be on brand. Uh, but no, I've gone for a beer. Um, this was really difficult actually. And again, I was trying to think, what do I want in a pub? Because I've got to be brutally honest with you. I very rarely look in the fridges in pubs. It it's more maybe if I've just hit a particular part of the evening and I think I can't do any more cask or or whatever might be on offer on keg, and I just try and lean over the bar and peer into what's there. So I had a few contenders. But I think if I'm being honest with myself, I do want just a really good German lager because I love cask, but even I can sometimes hit a limit where I'm like, I need something to cut through. So if I'm not in a wine mood, but I still want to stick with the beer, then I have gone for Augustina Hellers. Yes, I knew I knew it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming as well. I could just tell this was going to be the perfect John and Robin selection because <laughs> Yeah. The way the way you were teeing it up, I was like, this is this is Lager Beer Hell territory. Well, yeah. and the thing is, do you know what? There's there's actually if we're being honest, there's actually some lagers with far superior taste, especially British lagers. Massive shout out to Utopian Brewery, to Donzoco Brewery, to Braybrook Brewery, um, the brewery I currently work for, Neptune brewery we do an amazing lager and they actually have a lot more flavor a lot more complexity a lot of you know just loads of refinement going on really impressive and i nearly went for one of the above whether it was a neptune lager or 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 what have you but i have to just be honest with myself and it has been when i walk into a pub and i spy augustina hellas in the fridge i know that if there's nothing else that i want or i'm doing that thing where i can't decide what mood i'm in i'm gonna drink that and i have to say that i probably depleted the entire stock of Augustina Hellez in Ireland during lockdown because I was in Ireland during lockdown and I ordered it by the crate load. I went to the pub with our friend Phil recently and he was telling me about he went to Munich quite a lot a few years ago and if you drink it right by the brewery it's 30 pence a bottle. Yeah well in in Berlin it's uh, yeah 50, 50 cents I think you can drink it outside in the parks as well. And and do you know what? I have I have never been to Germany and that is bonkers because I was a beer lover, but I was very late to lager because of the fizzy stuff I was telling you about before. And then even when I managed to get my head and my palate around the spritz and enjoy that, I still was like, lager's not for me, it's not really my thing. It's just very basic and I was I was wrong. And I really, really enjoy because it, it shouldn't be tasteless. It, it absolutely has that lovely, for me, that bready quality, but then that bite through of the hops, just kind of the, the lovely German hops kind of cutting through. And yeah, Augustina Edelstoff is probably a better beer. It's got more complexity and more flavour. But what do I want when I've you know got the lager, sort of the hunger for the lager? It's an Augustina Hellers. So it is a brewer's favourite, I have to say. Often people just make a beeline for it, especially after a beer festival when you've you've you definitely impy stouted out and all that kind of stuff. Like one of my favourite memories is drinking an Augustina Hellas in the depths of the gas lamp, which is a fantastic bar in Manchester because I'd just come out of Indie Man Beer Con and I had so much wacky wild variety and I'd, I had beer that was an ice cream you know from from Buxton and all this kind of stuff and I just walked in and went, what do I want? And it was the best beer I'd had all day because of what it did at the time for me, which was to just make me chill, relax and enjoy without analysing or thinking too much about what I was drinking and just taking in the moment. So Munich is next on my list, high on my list for where I'm going to go next. It's just such a crisp, kind of clear taste, I think. I I mean, it's just, it sort of tastes pure. 
somehow. It I does. Think. It's like it's like yeah. those purity laws they had. It's almost like it's all part of the thing. Yeah. No, it is. It's it's a really gorgeous bottle as well. Just, it is. Just it looks, is. Looks pretty. <laughs> Beer is time. Is my new motto. Beer is time. Oh my god. Um, right, well, uh, we must... Is that, is that apropos of any... Was that just... Well, just because uh, Chess was saying that the Augustina Hellas was perfect because of the the time. Oh, yeah, and right, I just think right, good right. beer is time. I think you should pitch that to Dragon's Den. That should be your business model. Just that. Beer just is a time. slogan. That's what you're selling. That's what I you're selling. I just want you to buy this slogan, beer is time. <laughs> Well, uh, Chess, you said earlier that you're a big fan of the pub quiz. Well, your luck's in, because we got one here in the Moon Underwater, hosted by the lovely Robin Allender. So take it away, Rob. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey had been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Ketchup mayonnaise? I'll take that as a condiment, because this week's quiz is all about condiments. How are we feeling about that? Very, very strong. You said you're a fan of pub quizzes. Uh, how, how's, how's your condiment knowledge? <laughs> I'd say it's it's pretty good, but I was also quite late in life to condiments. I was like, ew, don't want any of that weird stuff. And now I'm like, give me all the condiments. However, ketchup is the worst thing that was ever invented. And if you put it anywhere near my food, I'm out. So, yeah, I have very strong feelings about ketchup. I've got a deep mistrust of anyone who has chips with nothing. Yeah. As in no salt or vinegar or anything. Just as they come. I think it's very strange. Perverse. Anyway, let's crack on with the quiz. Question one. Um, The label of which sauce bottle proclaims that it is made on Avery Island, Louisiana, US of stateside? So which which, uh, very familiar bottle of sauce uh, says that it's made on Avery Island, Louisiana? Question two. What does the HP in HP sauce stand for? What does the HP and HP sauce stand for? And question three, what kind of sauce is mayonnaise? So I'm looking for a specific technical term to describe it. It's kind of a, it's a scientific word to describe a mixture of two liquid elements that are normally unmixable. So I'm looking for a kind of scientific technical term to describe what kind of sauce mayonnaise is. Have you found a way to ruin mayonnaise for me? <laughs> I'm making it all technical and sciencey. It might be a word you might hear on MasterChef every now and again, something like that. I think I might have it, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Good. Those are your three questions. Very good, Robin. We thank you for your quiz, and we thank Chess for the first half of our discussion with her about her dream pub. We will discuss more about the pub, what it's going to look like, and what else is in it in part two, but we will leave you on those condiment tenterhooks and see you back very soon. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. 
Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.